Okay, let's talk tonight about Yom Tov Sheni for tourists. First and foremost, what is Yom Tov Sheni? And then in turn, we'll talk about if you live in Israel and you're visiting America or anywhere outside of Israel, or if you live in America or anywhere outside of Israel and you're visiting Israel with regards to what the halachot are for you as an individual. Just a notification at the onset of the class, there are many details with regards to different circumstances and situations. We will not address even the tip of the iceberg of those many circumstances. We'll try to get close to that tip of the iceberg with addressing some of the most commonly addressed issues with regards to this. Uh, so what is Yom Tov Sheni? Well, uh, once upon a time, the Mishnayot in the second Perik of, the second Perik of Masechet Rosh Hashanah described how uh, we would once establish what day of the month was going to be Rosh Chodesh based on a tribunal, a Sanhedrin, which was, co- which was convened in Yerushalayim. And then word would be sent out to all the other places where Jews lived in order to notify them what day was Rosh Chodesh. You see, the lunar calendar has 29 and a half, a little bit more than a half days for each one of those cycles. And as a result, each one of the months is either going to be 29 days or 30 days. And they would determine it based on witnesses who observed the appearance of the beginning of the moon with regards to what we can see you know, here on earth. And uh, so again, once upon a time, word was sent out and people would be notified. It wasn't so simple because sending out word, uh, what if I live far away from Yerushalayim where they were making this decision? So they'd give a lot of time with regards to messengers going to get the word out. At a specific juncture, the Mishnayot describe how they tried to have a light system. They would get on the top of the mountains and be able to send from one place to the next to the next. You'd see the light and you'd be able to transmit it to the next place. It was a lot swifter. The Mishnayot describe, however, how that plan was foiled. There were people who were not interested in us doing this, wanted to deny that sort of authority and approach to halakha. And as a result, we had to just do it the old-fashioned way by sending messengers. Well, once you sent messengers, again, the issue that, were, that, that we encountered was that not everyone found out at the appropriate time. And as a result, you'd be even in the middle of the month, certainly when it comes to Shavuot, when you're in the sixth of the month, and you weren't certain, well, what day is it? Is it the 6th or is it the 7th? Is it the 14th or the 15th? And as a result, what the rabbi said is we're supposed to keep two days of Yom Tov. That's, again, the places outside of where the word would reach once upon a time. The Gemara in Masechet Betzah, here in source number one, records a machloket. What's that? That they would keep two days of Rosh Chodesh as well. Yes. But that's every single month? Because now we still have some That's what they would do. Right. Yes. So uh, we, we still have it in different circumstances, not because of uh, a safik per se. Now the Gemara Masech Be'etzah Dafdalit has a mahloket about whether the practice of observing those two days was envisioned, halachically speaking, as a safik, we were keeping it mitorat safik, or alternatively, they kind of became combined. It was a vision of in- saying and seeing these two days as one sanctity. And there are nafka the Gemara's angle on this, it seems to be the angle that it takes, and the way we go lahalacha is it was safik. We were uncertain which day was the actual first day of the holiday, the actual last day of the holiday. We therefore observed Two days of Yom Tov. And here's the critical line in source number one in Masechet Betzah, in Dafdale Damud Bet Vehashata. Now, the Yad'inan Bekvi'adi Arha, Maita'ama Avdinan Tere Yome. Ask the Gemara. Now that we know, Kvi'adi Arha, the established dates of each month, 
based on the lunar ob observation, but it's all set in place. We don't need they to wait for that calendar. any longer. They already made a calendar by that juncture. When did they make this calendar? We have a tradition that Hillel Hazakin, that's not the Hillel of Bet, Bet Hillel. It's much later. It's Hillel who's a descendant of that Hillel from the, he was a, a great-grandchild of uh, Rabbi Yehuda HaNasi. He was the last Nasi that we had. He's during the days of Abayen Rava, the last generation for all intents and purposes of Emoraim. Seeing that, we're not necessarily going to be able to continue this uh, establishment of the month with our jurisdiction and sovereignty of a Sanhedrin in Yerushalayim, he determined we need to set in motion all the future Rosh Chodesh, and he set forth a calendar for us. As a result, says the Gemara, we know that already. We know every month what the first of the month is. Why do you have two days of Yom Tov any longer? The Gemara answers this cryptic and somewhat enigmatic answer. Mishum mitam because it was sent. Hizaharu b'minhag avotechem biyadechem. Make certain that you are careful in keeping the customs of your forefathers in your hands. Zimnin sometimes digazru hamalchut gezera veate le There will be times potentially in the future where the malchut, the monarchy, the governing authority, will make it difficult for you to be able to observe in the appropriate way and actually know what day of the month it is. And as a result, in order to avoid any of those potential difficulties in the future, continue to keep two days of Yom Tov. That's the answer of the Gemara. That's the suggestion of the Gemara. It quote-unquote sounds far-fetched. Leo, I'm surprised you're not rolling your eyes at that. But that's the answer. That's the explanation of the Gemara. Of course you could. Of course you could. I don't understand. How does that prevent anything? I don't, I don't, if I don't we're continuously it. keeping two days, irrespective of any pitfalls, any difficulties that we'll have in the future, we'll always be able to know. In other words, maybe they'll foil our calendar system in some way in order to prevent us getting messed up as a result of that, continue keeping two days. In truth, in source number four, Rav Haigaon, in, his, in the Osar HaGeonim, he says, listen, that's one explanation. In truth, the statement is, we continue keeping this as halakha. That explanation, because maybe the Malchut will mess you up in the future, is one of several explanations. We're not really certain the reason why we continue to keep it. But we keep it, suggests Rav Haigaon, because that was a takana, that was a minhag, which was established by the Hachme Hador Hahu, the rabbis of that generation, and in turn it has the status in his mind of a Davar Shebeminyan. Davar Shebeminyan, the Gemara talks about in several places, it has a certain authority to it that they gathered together and made this establishment, an rabbinic establishment, that you can't really take it back in the future unless you're greater in number and in smarts than the earlier generation and Betim, which we generally speaking assume is not a reality that will happen in the halachic sense, and as a result says, Rav Haigon, this is just a reality. The truth is, this sort of concept of minhag with regards to Yom Tov Sheni, Maurice, as, as frustrating as it might be, in halacha, at least the way I oftentimes envision it, halacha is more often practiced because this is who we are based on what we've done than we practice it because it is bringing me to this or because of this origin. As more often than not, well, the reason you do what you do is not per se because you can scientifically prove and explain, I do this for this reason, because if you were to go back and find a quote-unquote error in the system, you're going to continue practicing it that way. That's the halacha. So Yom Tov Sheni Shel Galiot is the greatest 
example in my mind for demonstrating that aspect of halakha. Halakha is this binding system with regards to our tradition, with regards to who we are as a nation, and it stands and has a certain strength irrespective of its origins and its initial intentions. That doesn't mean that we're not supposed to seek some sort of relevancy to us today. doesn't mean there's not supposed to be some sort of spiritual explanation that we can derive from Yom Tov Sheni Shel Galuyot, which is a whole philosophical conversation in and of itself. But that's what Yom Tov Sheni Shel Galuyot is, Harambam, in source number two, as well as in source number three, in Hilchot Kiddusha Chodesh, and then Hilchot Yom Tov, talks about this. Let's read specifically source number three. The fact that we keep two days Yom Tov, it's a minhag. This is in the second day. It's an interesting wording of Harambam. This is one of these novelties which came forth when we were in the exile. Yom Tov Sheni, even though it's only Midrabanan, Anything that's prohibited on the first day of Yom Tov, quote-unquote, the validated day of Yom Tov, the verified one, is relevant on the second day as well. And as a result, in order to upkeep this, continues Harambam, basing himself on the words of the Hakamim and the Gemara, there's all sorts of rabbinic restrictions and punitive measures in place, which means to say you get makat mardut if you violate Yom Tov Sheni, rabbinic lashes, there's a potential of nidui, of excommunication. The rabbis were very steadfast in continuing Yom Tov Sheni, Shel Galuyot. So when a person makes, for argument's sake, the claim in today's day and age, it's ridiculous, it's irrelevant, Yom Tov Sheni, my response invariably is, listen, the Hachamim were aware of this already. They asked this question. They struggled with this in Masech And their response, as I understand it, more often, if not always, we find in Halakha is, which means to say, we keep steadfast to what we've done. But the reasoning is quote-unquote lost. Sometimes that will dissipate the law. Oftentimes we continue doing it and we search for new relevancy. Go ahead. Rambam says this is Midabarim Shinit That's right. Is that where it's from? Didn't we say? It just didn't when, exist. Well, when they were living in Israel, the countries that were far away that they couldn't get to, that's not so, Galut. So that's an interesting point that you make. Um, uh, what does he mean by Dvarim Shinit Hadeshu Begalut specifically? I think he means, he's saying Galut sounds like after the destruction right, of the yeah, Mikdash. Yeah, so like, and Galut, in truth, from the Geonim, this was relevant, according to Rav Haigon in source number four, it was during the time of the Nevi'im, it was already relevant. We already had this. Uh, maybe Harambam means that, uh, probably the explanation of Harambam, you'd have to read it carefully inside, but may- maybe it's that we keep this irrespective of a reality today where the messengers are not coming. In other words, if I'm in a place where the messengers once came, so I'm only keeping one day, even though I have Bikiut, Bikivadi Arhai, he's referring specifically to this Gemara, I continue to keep it. That's Devarim Shinit Hadishu, so to speak, took a new direction in the same direction, but it's a new reasoning. It's because of Minhagavotenu Biadenu. I assume that's what Harambam means with that. Where was this relevant once upon a time, which in turn means where is it relevant today, the second day of Yom Tov? Well, we said earlier it was relevant in places where the messengers didn't arrive at. That means potentially Harambam makes this point in source number five in his Perekev Hilchot Kidusha Chodesh. <coughs> there could and were places, could be and, and, and probably were places in Eris Israel where the messengers didn't come. Why didn't the messengers get to there? Either 
Either they were difficult, too far. I mean, again, within Israel, they didn't get. Harambama argues that outside of Israel, there were places that they did arrive at, ironically. So he says, there are pla- that's right, there are places potentially where it was dangerous to get there, where there were people who were going to intercept and give a hard time. There were places where there weren't Jews living there. As a result, and some people, some ex- you know, extreme halakha followers today, argue that outside of the old Yerushalayim, you have to have a certain safek anywhere you're living in Israel, According to Harambam, who said the messengers came to there? Maybe there wasn't a Jewish inhabitants. Maybe the messengers got there. And as a result, you can't be certain, pretty much, quote-unquote, anywhere outside of Jerusalem. That's Harambam to an extreme. There are some, there are, there are many, many people who are steadfast to halakha who will have that as a humrah. It's an extreme humrah because ritva, and to the best of my knowledge, the widespread practice is to follow ritva, in the next source, in source number six, in his commentary to Masechet Rosh Hashanah his commentary to Masechet Sukkah Daf Mimbet, makes the following claim. He says, listen, Bizman, during the time when we were Mekadesh al during the time when we had this old school fashion of, of, of sanctifying the month, then it was dependent upon whether the messengers came to you or not. Once we had our source number one, once we had no longer is this a reality, quote-unquote, that is because you don't know. But rather, this is what you're going to keep because this is the tradition. The tradition shifted a little bit. We didn't keep it only in the places where it once existed. We accepted it anywhere outside of Israel, whereas everywhere in Israel, we kept only one day. All right, to take stock of what we've analyzed and discussed thus far, we talked about this minhag, or takanami divrei sofrim, this dvarim shenit hadeshu begalut, called yom tov sheni shel galuyot. We addressed what it is, and in turn, its history and its relevancy to today. We talked about where it's relevant, and we talked about the fact that if we follow ritva, to the best of my knowledge, most, the majority of Jewry follows ritva, that if you're in Israel, that's where we argue one day. If you're outside of Israel, irrespective of where you are, you're going to keep two days. There happens to have been a debate for a long time about Elat. There's a question about Elat, whether it's part of the official borders of Eretz Israel or not. But to the best of my knowledge, the Rabbanut some, some decades ago determined even Elat keeps one day Yom Tov. Okay. That much could be somewhat clear. Again, there's the issue that people might address and feel uncomfortable with, that Gemara, why are we continuing to keep it, even if its origins are no longer applicable to us? But here's where it gets a little bit more complicated. There's no opinion for the opposite. There is no opposite opinion. In the Gemara that you shouldn't? Yeah. Again, if you... No, because the other opinion in the Gemara is that it's Kedushah Ahat. If it's Kedushah Ahat, there's no question. That's why you keep it. Right? There's two opinions in the Gemara. Either it's only a Safik, which we're, that's why you keep it, or we kept it B'Torat Vadai, we had some sort of Kedushah Ahat to the two of them. According to the second opinion, there would be no question. So then why are we keeping it today? We're keeping it today, Kedushah Ahat, for whatever reason. Um, but the question is, today, and, and at a, in a time during which we travel from Israel and to Israel, uh, what are you supposed to do in those sorts of circumstances? So we'll address it in both directions. If you're a person who resides, generally speaking, in Israel, and you're visiting outside of Israel on one of the holidays, how many days Yom Tov should you be observing? Yeah. And if you're a per- ahead of me. And if you're a person who lives in Chutzlaretz uh, and you're visiting Israel and for one of the holidays, how many days should you be keeping in that cir- circumstance? So it really derives this, this conversation from a Gemara Masechet Pesachim and Dafnun Aleph Amud Bet, 
which in turn is commenting on the Mishnah at the beginning of the Perek Dafnun, and the Mishnah and the Gemara thereafter is talking about the following halacha. The statement is that if there's a humrah, if there's a stringency in, quote, the place you're coming from, or in the place you're going to. The specifics over there is the Isur Milacha on Erev Pesach, or on Erev Yom Tov. But for our purposes, any stringency that applied in the old place or in the new place, with regards to the custom and the practice of that place, you have to accept either or. If you had a Humrah in the place you're coming from, in the new place you have to keep it. But you don't want to cause problems, says the Gemara. You don't want to make it look wrong to the people. You should maybe do it out of sight and out of vision. That's the suggestion. However, the statement in the Gemara is you're supposed to be keeping that Humrah Either way you slice it, you're supposed to observe that. Amar le says the Gemaran Dafnun Alefs, Rav Safra Lerbi Abba, Kigon Anan. For example, us. We're familiar with the first day of the month. I won't on the second day of Yom Tov, if I'm outside of Israel, if I'm in an area where, quote unquote, they're keeping second day Yom Tov, I, if I'm in the Yishuv, if I'm amidst the Jewish community, I won't do Melacha. Why? And I don't want them to look at me and say, ah, second day Yom Tov is sketch. I don't want them to look at me and say, ah, this guy is not observant and we have all sorts of issues. I'm looking to avoid that. Bimidbar or in Bamidbar, my, what about if I'm in the desolate wilderness area, I'm not amongst people? The Gemara's ultimate answer is Bamidbar Mutar, which means to say, if you're a Ben Eretz Israel who's visiting in Chutzlaaretz, the Gemara very clear, says, clearly tells us the Halakha. Although, Joe, as you said, you're not keeping two days Yom Tov because your primary residence is in Israel. The Gemara is making clear that if you're amongst other Jews outside of Israel where they're keeping two days, if you're amidst them, you shouldn't be doing that milacha in front of them. And that's, in fact, how Shohan Aruch is posek in source number eight. Go ahead. When it says Midbar here, obviously it means like a liberal like wilderness, but could it also be a place where there's zero Jews? Sure, like, like sure. Look, for example, in Shohan Aruch in source number eight, he quantifies a great question. In Siman Tafsadivav and Sa'if Gimal, he writes, Bene'is Eres Yisrael Shebao Lechutzalaretz. If people who live in Israel are visiting, are, are in out in their outside of Israel, Asurim La'asot Melacha Be'yom Tov Sheni Ba'yishuv. They can't, in the settlement of where the Jews are, they can't do hazor. even though their mindset is they're going back to Israel. Until you get to that area, what Shohan Aruch, basing himself on many others, is quantifying as Yishuv, is, and outside of Yishuv is not per se desolate. The de- desert area it means you're outside of the Tahom area, it means you have a certain distance from where the Jewish community is. Here's the question. And I know it's for us yet not relevant, but inshallah, Bekarov will be living in Israel, maybe visiting on some occasion or another. You're here visiting your family, your cousins, your parents, whatever it is. What's the halacha with regards to that second? You really can't do any malacha? What about if you do it what's called bitsinah? You do it in privacy, which means to say, I'm visiting from Israel. I, have, I happen to have two sisters who live in Israel. What if they come to visit me? Are they not allowed to do anything on that day? After all, as you said a f- few moments ago, Joe, it isn't Yom Tov for them, but they're not allowed to do any melacha. There's a mahlok and a tremendous dispute amongst the poskim about whether that's only an isur in public, called bifarhesya, or even betina, even when they're in privacy. 
And that machloket comes to the fore in Mishnah Berurah, who writes, He says, even in privacy, it's forbidden. If you look in the book, go ahead, Leo. So there's cases where you have to pray with Tefillin if you're not... Besina'ah. So, but he just said it's Asur. No, but, okay. Tefillin, first. No, no, it's a great question. We're talking about Melacha. So, as a result, yeah, tef- Tefillin would be. They, no, they Tefillin is not. Right, that's right. That's right. How are you going to do Havdalah as well? So, the Halacha is on those matters. Havdalah, Tefillin is to be done. Betzina'ah. You're allowed to do those Betzina'ah. That's not Melacha per se. Here we're talking about doing Melacha, direct transgression. Patu from Tefillin on Yom Tov. It's not a Melacha. It's not even. That's a mahluk, whether it's mukseh or not. But anyway, that's right, still not a melacha. In other words, is mukseh forbidden? Bisina'ah, for us. So that's it, which is already midrabbanan. We'll, we'll look at the summary of Hakam of Adyaz. He was in Israel, and he came back from Prezah, yeah. and he ate dinner with his family the second night. But he didn't necessarily keep the... Right, and on the second night, and they were doing the seder. They were doing the seder. He ate yeah. dinner with them. He yeah. like, but I, I'm hoping he didn't make the berachah v'alachilat masah. No, 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 That's no, no, right. No, okay, so he was with them. He was, just, he was just like participating. Very appropriate. And the right thing to do. The right thing to do. Right thing to do. Hacham Ovadia Yosef here in source number 10, in his book Hazon Ovadia, summarizes, in my mind, the halakha al-ma'aseh on this matter. Toshav Eres Yisrael, Again, it's on condition that your mindset as a person who lives in Israel is to return to Israel. There are those who claim it's only when you're in public. So that you don't bring to a disagreement. So that people don't come to look down at Melacha because they see you uh, not uh, keeping to that. And there are those who claim even Betzina. Hacham uh, Vadya uh, and many others quote from Avkat uh, Rochel. Avkat Rochel was written by Rabbi Yosef Karo, the author of Shohan Aruch. He writes almost explicitly in, in Siman Chavav that Betzina it's mutar. So again, there's a dispute. It appears as if we're going to be mahmir on this, but just to know, the author of Shohan Aruch, although he doesn't write it explicitly, was of the opinion that it's mutar. Why would I mention that in this context? To tell if there's a circumstance where that person who lives in Israel needs to do melacha, or it's necessary in context or in situation, then they do so. In other words, if they're doing it betzinah, there's a mahloket, there's room for kula. You heard that, Joe? Mukseh is fully mutar if it's betzinah. So that's our tefillin yeah. example, right? What are they supposed to do with regards to prayer? That's Victor's point earlier. It's already whole for them. But for us, here in Chutzar, it's still the holiday. What are they to do in such a circumstance? Listen to how he describes Before you leave your house, in your room, put on tefillin and say, Kiryat Shema. It's not Shabbat Yom Tov for you. But you don't want to stick out. You don't want to make machlok. And you go to synagogue, and Chacham Vadya Yosef describes, you go to shul, Yelech Lebet HaKneset, Litpaleli Matzibur, Tefillat Shmone Esre. Kemo, Hamakom Shiyazam Yisham. 
they're holding their machzorim and they're reading Tefilat Yom Tov. What are you, you reading? What are you doing? Tefilat Hol. That's so right. So you put on your Tefilat only for Shema and then you go... At, at home and then you went to Knis and in Knis, what are you doing? You're praying as if you're one of them. What do you do during Musaf? It says during Musaf, leave your book open and pretend that you're but reading <laughs> oh something else. Say Tehilim, read something else. Some, some rabbis will pray in the first minyan and, but then they stay for the second minyan afterwards to give the class and they'll, they'll be Still in minyan, but they'll like... Yeah. Obviously not again. Yep, yep. Anyway, so that's the halakha with regards to this matter. But all we addressed, again, is not so much yet, as I said, relevant to us, but it's people we know, it's rabbis we know, family members who might be visiting. You're now familiar with the halakha. Again, that although Yom Tov Sheni Shel Galuyot is not relevant to them, although their prayer will be one of hol, although the man will be putting on tefillin, although they're saying Havdalah in privacy, with regards to Melacha, they should not be doing Melacha, even B'Sin'ah, according to our mainstream Melacha. So they're going to shul means it counts as them being, that, that they pray with Minyan. Sure, even if they're praying, a bit, you know, different words in it, they're still be Minyan and they're still praying Amidah. Yeah, great point. Yes? What counts as living in Israel? That's an important and very integral issue we'll have to address a little later on. For right now, it means you live there. It means that's, that's where your only home is. That's, that's the way we're defining it right now. I think what you might be address, addressing is if you're visiting there and you own a home there, for argument's sake, is that living there, we're going to address that briefly at the end of the class. Again, there's a lot of nuances with regards like to defining. Right, import, import, all important questions. There's a lot of nuances. We're going to address it in just mm-hmm. a few moments when we get to a Ben Hotzlar, as we're going to call it, who's visiting in Eretz Yisrael. All right, moving ahead with regards to these matters, though, now I want to talk about this issue, but I want to ease our way into it. A Ben Hotzlar, that means me, who lives in America, doesn't own a home in Israel, doesn't go there, unfortunately, often enough, and I'm now finding myself in Israel. I didn't find myself, I traveled to Israel. What's the halacha in such a circumstance? How many days Yom Tov should I observe? After all, I'm now in Eretz Yisrael, so you'll go back to our source number seven. Remember, just visiting for two weeks, just visiting for a week, whatever. I'm there just for a few days for Shavuot. Now, the Gemara and the Mishnah in source number seven, if you recall, told us very clearly, somewhat clearly, that you take the humrot of the place that you're coming from and the place that you're going to. Well, my humrah here in Hosad, it's just to keep two days. You'd imagine then it's quite open and shut. If I go to Israel, I'm going to be keeping two days. I don't live in Israel. I'm visiting Israel. I accept the humrah makum she'asam the stringencies of the place that I left which is two days here in Chutzaretz. In fact, in source number 11, that's what I told you, Avkat Rochel, the same source that I mentioned earlier, Rabbi Yosef Karo, the author of Shohan Aruch and Siman Kathav, he writes, Chen ma'asim b'chol yom, b'chol shana v'shana olim, l'shalosh regalim mechutzaretz, la'aretz, ve'osim yom sheni shal galiyot, ketikunav uch mishpatav b'chutzaretz. It happens all the time. That people come to Israel for one of or some of the Shalosh Regalim, the holidays in Israel. And what do they do? They follow the two days of Yom Tov. It's exactly in line with what we accept, expected. Two days of Yom Tov. And then he has this very interesting thing. He's just reporting what he's seen and then he's rationalizing it and defending it. He says they make their own minyan, two-day Yom Tov minyan. 
Two day yom tov minyan. There's a problem over there. How could that be? Why are you doing a two day yom tov minyan? That's inappropriate. You're now standing out. Remember, we said if you're a ben eretz Yisrael and you're in chutzlat, it's you don't want to have machloket. You should only be doing this besinah. You shouldn't be. Maran Rabbi Yosef Karo writes that this seems to have been something that if there's ten people who are gathering together, they kind of designate themselves as standing apart and it's permitted in such a circumstance and there was an acceptance and is an acceptance from Toshave Eretz Yisrael, the people who live in Israel, for that to exist. And in turn, that does exist. I've on uh, several occasions been in Israel for the holiday and been able to pray in a minyan for B'nei Chutzlaat. It's meaning that I'm praying like a two-day Yom Tov Minyan. On the second day, I'll uh, pray Yom Tov Minyan. Uh, this is reported as well in source number 12. His name was Rabbi Moshe Hagiz. He was a 17th century rabbi who lived in Eretz Yisrael, in Yerushalayim, if I'm not mistaken. And he reports all sorts of circumstances, situations. Quotes from of Izmir, Turkey, of Greece, so on so forth. All rabbis who involved. What do they do in the holy cities of Israel, Hebron, Yerushalayim, Sfat, when there's visitors? Three lines of Baran called Habba Mihutzlaaretz, it should say Laaretz, Kozman Sheenam Asara Benebatim, Al Yitpalu Yom Tov, Ela Betzinah. Right, so it means that they would keep the second day, but unless they were ten to congregate and make a group together, they would do it, but seen ah privately, which again would apply today as well. If you're not in a minyan, you shouldn't be publicly praying the second day Yom Tov. Is this accepted by all? Is it open and shut with regard to the Pesach Halacha on this matter? It's not. In source number 13, in She'elot Shabot Hacham Sevi, he was a 17th century rabbi, spent time in Amsterdam and elsewhere, Rabbi Tzvi Ashkenazi, his Pesach Halacha, famously in Siman Kof Samech Zayin, is as follows. A Ben Chutzla Aretz, who's visiting in Eretz Yisrael, keeps one day Yom Tov, but I only have one home. I live in Brooklyn, New York. Okay, maybe I have to, maybe I have in Deal, New Jersey as well. But ultimately speaking, I don't live in Israel. I don't have any relevancy to a life in Israel. I go and I visit. I have things that I like there. I'm a tourist when I'm there. Nir Alefi Aniyut Ati writes this: "Sichimli hitnaheg binyane Eretz Yisrael kehad mi bnei Eretz Yisrael hatoshavim." You have to act as if you're a citizen. What are you talking about? I thought our source number seven, the Gemara Masech Pesachim, said you keep the stringencies of the place you came from. It's not the same. It says, He says, first and foremost, the Humrav saying, I have to pray a holiday prayer and I have to read from the Sefer Torah and from the Haftarah and all that sort of stuff. He said, that's not a regular Humrah. The regular Humrah we're talking about over there is with regards to Melacha. I didn't do Melacha in the place I'm coming from. In the new place, don't do Melacha either. That I understand. You said extra Berachot in the place you came from. 
you're now going to say them in the place you're coming to? That's an approach. If there's no reason to do it, you can't say I'm following my homrot of the place I came from unless it's, so to speak, a par of homra, one that's not going to have negative ramifications. By extension, he says, there might be an issue of bal tosif. The Torah says lo tosif, lo tosif, you're not supposed to add on to the misfot of the Torah. You're not allowed to sit in the sukkah in an extended time period of sukkot. You're not allowed to do mitzvot when the Torah doesn't tell you to perform it or the Torah specifically tells you to perform it in one time period. As a result, he says, if you're keeping the second day Yom Tov, imagine, he says, for argument's sake, everybody leaves America and moves to Israel. Nobody's keeping them in. Nobody's keeping the second day Yom Tov in such a circumstance. So to argue, he says in turn, that since I'm there, it's the Humrah of the place I came from, it's only the Humrah of the place you came from if you were to say that that Humrah of the people from that place applies in the other place as well. Again, if I don't do Milachah at a specific time on Erev Yom Tov, if you took all the people from my city, transplanted us to Israel, we're still doing that. However, if you're saying we do something specifically, specifically because it's appropriate when we're outside of Israel, now, when I'm in Israel, it's no longer a relevant Humrah. Do you follow his angle? And as a result, said it would be an issue of Bal Tosif. His argument, therefore, quite clearly is one day Yom Tov, if you were to be a Hakam Sevi individual. And in truth, Shohan Aruch Harav, that's Rabbi Shner Zalman of, of Layedi, that's the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, and his Shohan Aruch Dirbi Zalman, he as well is of this opinion, one day Yom Tov. So we have pitted against each other very important opinions. So on the one hand, Rabbi Yosef Karo and his Avkat Rochel, Halachot Ketanot, Rabbi Moshe Hagiz, on the one hand saying two days Yom Tov. On the other hand, the argument of Hacham Tzevi, of Shohan Aruch Harav, one day Yom Tov, again, for our type of circumstance, assuming, unlike you, I guess, you don't own in Israel, assuming, like me, right? all I own is in America. I don't go there all that often. One day Yom Tov or two day Yom Tov? Mahlokit. How are we going to go to Halakha? In source number 14, Maran HaChidar Bihayim Yosef David Azulay in his commentary to Shohan Aruch Tafsiman Tafsadi Vav. Birke Yosef, he writes, Umihu bene chutzla aretz habaim derech aray. Derech aray means temporary, not permanent. Eretz Yisrael, haminhag pashut, the matter which is widespread with regards to practice, hepech. Moreno Harav Tzivi, against source number 13, what do we do? Today Yom Tov. Mishnah Berran, source number 15, Saif Katan Yod Gimal, as well writes, Ben Chutz Laret Shebal Eres Yisrael, Im Da'ato Lachazot Limkomot Sarich La'asot, Shene Yamim Yom Tov, all the details with regards to the prayer that we saw earlier. That is, to the best of my knowledge, the practice and the halakha ma'aseh. Again, we're going to get into funny situations, but the standard practice for quite some time in the book Pe'at HaShohan of Rabbi Yisrael of Shklav as well, Chacham Vadya, quoted here in source number 16, he was a student of Gaon Mivilna, and he makes his way together with a large community of Jews from that time period to Israel. They say when people come to visit, it, they keep two days Yom Tov, Hacham Vadya Yosef, in almost the identical wording of uh, Avkat Rochel, he actually quotes it after all, afterwards, says that the halacha is for Ben Chutzlaret, whose mindset is not to stay in Israel, is to keep how many days Yom Tov? Two days Yom Tov, and he quotes it from many others who were of this opinion. That the halacha is in such a circumstance, we keep two days Yom Tov. Yes, Jake. So, according to Chacham um, if it was the other way around, from Israel to America, what would he say? 
Important question. One day? No. In such a circumstance... Why did not both receive? No, his arguments fall off. No, because in such a situation, I'm now accepting the humrah of the place I've gone to, right? And it's it's temporally uh, sensitive. That's... Yeah, so that's... And and he writes that explicitly in the Teshubah. All right, so that's the Mahlokin and that's the Pesach Halacha. All right, let's regather before uh, before before we make our way to the, the end of the class on, on, on the issue of Yom Tov Sheni for tourists. What we've gotten up to is in addressing what Yom Tov Sheni is, of where it's relevant, of what have been Eretz Yisrael who makes his way to Chutzlaretz. We got up to the critical point, which in my mind for us is most critical. If we as tourists from outside of Israel make our way into Israel for one of the holidays, a look at about whether to keep one day or two day. We discuss the reasoning for each, and we're being posek lahalacha two days yom tov. However, there are a few circumstances that we're going to address which we'll call different or unique. It's not to say these are the only circumstances. You'd have to address each situation according to its specifics, but there are specific circumstances where many of the poskim argue that even though you're a ben chutzlaaretz who's just coming to Israel with the mindset of returning, you should keep one day Yom Tov. What sort of circumstances? How long have these been relevant? In source number 17, same siman we read earlier, same rabbi, that rabbi 17th century in Yerushalayim, he says, you know what happens? Sometimes there are single young men who make their way up to Eretz Israel. Why are they coming? To study Torah, to spend time there. And they, the Pesach Halacha, that seem to have been dominant during his time period, Keep one day Yom Tov. That's what he writes. Why? It's the, what's the logic? What's the rationale to distinguish between a single young man or older man as opposed to a married one? The vision and the hope is if he's a single young man or woman, they will in turn find their, their, uh, their, their spouse, their future spouse in Israel and end up moving there. Alternatively, they'll love it so much and something will inspire them to live there. So you might roll your eyes at that. If you rolled your eyes at the beginning, oh, you have to be consistent. You have to roll your eyes you at this like as well. One. You like this one, yeah. but you have to be dealing with the logic. The way we fortify such a logic is not by just accepting, oh, you might move to Israel. It's furthermore remembering what Hacham Tzevi and Shulchan Aruch Harav told us. Remember, they hold that even me, who's married with several children and a home in America and job jobs in America, even I should be keeping one day Yom Tov. So it's almost like a safik sifika. Safik, the halacha is like hacham sifi and shulchan aruharav. Although you might not know their names, very important personalities in terms of halacha. And safik, that the halacha is not like them. Well, we have the argument and the practice more than just the argument of halacha. Be Moshe Hagi's right. This is what people do. He describes having a conversation with one of his rabbis about this being the dominant practice of that time period. Did everyone, does everyone agree with this? Not really. In source number 18, Shelot Shvot Ginat Viradim. Ginat Viradim was written by an Egyptian rabbi a little bit later. He records Bedin of that time period and he lists the different names of the rabbis on the Bedin, making a declaration and a proclamation that even the young men or women who are going to study or to visit Israel should be keeping 
two days Yom Tov, not to distinguish, not to, you know, almost rolling your eyes at the earlier Pesach Halacha. It's inappropriate, it's wrong. Oh, because you might get married in such a circumstance, inappropriate in such a circumstance to make that claim. And he has the sign-off from several rabbis that we shouldn't distinguish, and we should be posik that you keep two days Yom Tov, irrespective of your marital status or your place in life. Is that accepted? Which one of these two opinions are accepted? So here's the interesting thing in my mind on this one. In source number 19, Maran HaChida, again, Bihaim Yosef David Azulai. He was the rabbi, if you recall, in his Birke Yosef we saw earlier, who says that for someone like me visiting in Israel, I keep two days Yom Tov. He's the one who put a stamp of approval on Avkat Rochel, on the opinions who said two days Yom Tov. On this matter, if it's a young man who's going and might find his potential wife there, in his Hayim She'al Chaylikal Siman Nun he writes, one day Yom Tov. But what about the Bedin from Egypt, the rabbis, Ginat Veradin? He says, look at those several rabbis. All of them lived outside of Israel. They may have moved to Israel. They weren't familiar with the minhag of those who come to Israel is. It's one of these fascinating situations. It brings us back to the conversation we had at the beginning of the class. Minhag avotenu Halacha is oftentimes determined when there's two ways to go by the practice, by the dominant approach to the matter. As a result, the minhag avotenu of Yom Tov Sheni was kind of something which became a part of who we are and what we do. This one as well says, Maran It's a beautiful argument. We could discuss logic maybe one way or another, but ultimately speaking, Shalot Shbot, Halachot Ketanot, was living in Israel. He's attesting to what was taking place. Marana Hida as well says, I know what's taking place. The young men who come to study in Israel and to visit keep one day Yom Tov. And that indeed is the Pesach Halachav, Hacham Obadiah Yosef, and several others. If you guys are to visit Israel, if you're to study in Israel for the year, if you're to be there for whatever reason, Unless, in Chacham Yosef's words, unless you're so steadfast that you're either only marrying outside of Israel, living outside of Israel, or the way he says it, he doesn't even imagine you'd say something so silly. You need to listen to your parents, and your parents insist on you not living in Israel. Those situations, and only in those situations, if you really, after a conversation with the rabbi, with the mentor, still maintain that position, then and only then would you keep two days Yom Tov. When I went to study in Israel following high school, so I asked Hacham Ovadia Yosef through someone what the Pesach Alacha, without a question, it was very clear, it was before his Chazon Ovadia, although he published this also in Yabia Omer Helik Vav Siman Mem, the same Pesach Alacha. I wasn't fully familiar with it, I wanted to hear it, not directly from him, but indirectly from him, he said, one day Yom Tov, without a question, without a doubt, that was the Pesach Halacha. I was studying in the Ashkenazic Yeshiva, where many of the students were not doing the same thing. I was the one guy who on the second day, I remember when they were doing Simchat Torah, I had already done it. So I walked in, I was trying, you know, to keep it to myself, but I was, it wasn't Yom Tov for me any longer. I, in truth, and we're not even going to specifically address this in sources, but when I went back after getting married and lived in Israel, and I lived in Israel for two years. I had intent to come back, but I was open to the opportunity of living there. But now I was married, so it wasn't going to be the woman who was going to catch me and make me live there. I had a question. I was misupak. What's the halacha going to be for me in such a circumstance? I again sent word to Hacham Ovadiah Yosef, this, this time through someone else, and the Pesach halacha 
clearly and without any question was one day Yom Tov. Why one day Yom Tov? The idea was I wasn't, I didn't have a contract, I didn't have a job that I was returning to per se in America. I had a mind to come back to America. Was I not open to the possibility of living in Israel? I was. Again, tap into our sources. Hacham Tzvi says anyway one day Yom Tov. The uh, minhag for a long time was to keep one day Yom Tov if you weren't necessarily coming with the absolute and, and steadfast mindset of going back. That being the case, we've now taken one step to the side again in addressing, although the standard circumstance of a ben chutz la'aretz, who's mevakir ba'aretz, for one of the regalim is to keep two days, according to our halacha, that we established, if you're the person who's much more open to the idea of living there, or even, this is a story I heard, I don't know if it's really true, the story I, I was told, I forgot who told me it is, that there was someone who went to ask Chacham Vadya Yosef about this halacha. Yes, story. Oh, you know this story? So his woman came to ask him, and he said, but I'm certain I'm going back. And he said, you really certain? He said, I'm certain. He said, one day. He said, well, I'm certain I'm going back. I'm a single boy. He said, what if I give you my granddaughter? You see her over there? Would you stay? So oh, then I would say, say, okay, one day Yom Tov. Of course, he didn't give him a granddaughter anyway, but the idea was if you're at all open to it, then that could or should be your practice with regards to Yom Tov Sheni. There is as well uh, another claim with regards to this, um, another circumstance of someone who's married and lives in America much of the year, nonetheless could or should be keeping only one day Yom Tov amongst the poskim. As I mentioned earlier, there are other circumstances. Each is different and specific, but one of these standard situations is, what if I'm going to be there for all three of the holidays? What if I'm going to be in Edith Yisrael for all three of the holidays in any given year? In such a circumstance, keep in mind, says Rabbi Shlomo Zalman Arbach here in source number 21, He says, in such a circumstance, he says, well, think about who you are in such a situation. You have a permanent place in Israel. Even though the majority of the year you're not in your second home, it's just in Israel. The difference between Yom Tov Sheni and one day Yom Tov is primarily is only on the holiday itself. So his suggestion is if you're fully in Israel for the three holidays, you are an Eretz Israel person, but I'm not. I'm 90, 90% of the year I'm in America. But the times during which I ask you where do you live is the three holidays. The times during which this halacha is most relevant, he says to keep one day Yom Tov. Hacham Vadya Yosef is very excited about that Pesach Halacha, accepts it and says, I'll give proof to it in source number 22. He quotes from She'elot Teshubot Zekan Aharon, who's in turn bringing proof from elsewhere that the halacha would be in a circumstance where a person has half the year that he lives in Israel and half outside of Israel. What's your primary residence? I don't have a primary residence. I have half and half. Well, if I have majority in Israel, we could do it that way. That's easy. But I have half and half. What's the halakha in such a circumstance? The Pesach halakha of Zekan Aharon, basing himself on others, is that the sanctity, the stature of Israel wins out. Says Chacham Vadya Yosef. Well, let's kind of build that into this conversation. When you have dual citizenship, when you live here and there, I can make the argument that your primary focus is on Israel. What's more so, he says, it's a mitzvah to live in Israel, and you're not supposed to be leaving in Israel. 
We know you want to do the right thing. We assume that you'd rather be living here and that in your mind is the true residence, even though you spend majority outside of it. And as a result, his Pesach Halacha, in each of those circumstances, it would appear where you have six months in Israel, or alternatively, you have all three of the Regalim in Israel, and you have a home in Israel. In those circumstances, you're keeping one day of Yom Tov as well. The six months and six months is a difficult divide. In other words, once I'm saying that's my primary residence, but I happen to work here, how do I split that? At the very least, we know that Pesach Halacha with regards to six months and six months. There are poskim who have different circumstances and that, that they're, that they're quote-unquote lenient in. Each situation needs to be addressed independent of the other. But to summarize very briefly what we addressed in the class, number one, we talked about the history of Yom Tov Sheni. We in turn talked about where it was most relevant once upon a time and today how it's relevant outside of Israel, pretty much anywhere you're going to be, but nowhere in Israel, pretty much anywhere you're going to be. We addressed afterwards, what about if you live in Israel and you're visiting in America? Definition of living in Israel, Leo? Now we can really make that clear. But let's, for our argument, say 98% of the year, 95% of the year, you live in Israel. That's where you really live. You're visiting your cousins in America. You're visiting your parents in America. In such a circumstance, you keep one day Yom Tov. That's clear. But wait a second. Does that mean you could do Melacha in front of others? Certainly not in front of others. Can you do it B'Sina'ah, the Pesach Halacha? You're supposed to try even Betzina not to do so. Does that mean not even Mukseh? Mukseh, as Jakey said, is Midrabbanan. It's rabbinic in nature, and as a result, we permit that. There are questions about specific circumstances and situations where it's a pressing need. What if Melacha needs to be done? Instead of turning to the non-Jew, can you turn to the Jew? The answer is yes in such a circumstance because we're dealing with the Shvut, Shvut, Makom Mitzvah. What about a Ben Chutzlaretz? That's each of us who's visiting in Israel. Well, if you're going to study in Yeshiva, it's one thing. If you're someone like me, it's another thing. If you're someone like me who's married with a family and a home over here, job over here, the Halacha, as we discussed, although it was split, Hacham Tzevi on one side, of Rochil and others on the other side, we were posek la Halacha too days Yom Tov. What if you're a single person who has the potential of getting married, of getting settled in Israel, one day Yom Tov based on a long tradition of that practice? What about in a circumstance where you're going to be in Israel for all three of the Regalim, even though your primary residence is here? One day Yom Tov, Rabbi Shlomo Zaman Arbach, which we're following and many others follow, even though there's dispute on that matter. What about you spend half the year in Israel and half over here, or just about half in each? We said in that circumstance as well, one day Yom Tov. This issue of Yom Tov Sheni causes a lot of confusion for many people in many circumstances. This class hopefully dealt with making some sense of it settling some of the more more common and, and often addressed circumstances but there's plenty more to be discussed, developed and analyzed. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.